Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Friends, we spent a lot of time over the last couple months building the road to the Batman. And now that it is fully available to people who don't want to see it in theaters, Paul and myself are talking about the Batman. We're talking about Pat Bat. We're talking about the Riddler. We're talking about all the different kind of interesting ethical questions this movie raises and continuing the, the ethical conversations we've been having about who is our Batman and how does this Batman fit into all those larger conversations. We'll get into all that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined by Paul Hoppy. Paul, we got there. We uh, have watched an awful lot of Batman properties, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to get here. Uh, what do you think? What's kind of your overall thoughts on the Batman? Well... I went into it with low expectations, and I was going to say something quippy about how it should just be titled A Batman, because there are so freaking <laughs> many Batmans these days. It's so true. But I kind of feel like it earned the title of the Batman. I actually yeah. think this is the best Batman movie, live action movie, made. And I actually think it's the most well-crafted superhero movie i've ever mm -hmm. seen and i've seen basically all the superhero movies that's not to say it's the best in terms of if it's not the story you're after it's not the pacing you're after whatever cool but just in terms of the actual right. art and craft of filmmaking i haven't seen better yeah and that's interesting because we're not a movie review podcast we're mostly gonna be talking about the kind of you know is this our batman the ethics the questions of justice and vengeance but I am really interested in your perspective on that because I'll say I felt fairly differently. I felt like this was a fantastic two-hour Batman movie that then had another hour added on for reasons I can't possibly mm. understand. Um, and and to me, I thought like the writing the the writer's concept of Bat. I think this is my yeah. Batman more than almost anyone else, possibly the most my Batman. I love this version of Batman. I love this version of Bruce Wayne. I love this version of. Gotham and the Riddler and all these things. I just, I didn't think it was a very well put together mm. movie. I thought it had not quite Zack Snyder level of like self-indulgent uh, pan shots, but almost in terms of just like these long moments where the camera would tell us what we needed to know and then just stay on it for five more seconds. Um, I thought the whole third act was just really kind of weak. Um, I will say, though, and I know you said that you watched it at home and you could, like, take mm -hmm. a break for bio and things like that. I watched it the first time in a yeah. theater. And I was just bored senseless by the last mm -hmm. the last hour. Watching it today at home, where, A, I knew a lot more, like, what to look for and kind of how to be set up. And, yeah, I could, like, you know, check my email while we were getting, like, one more uh, fight scene in the Madison Square Garden stand-in that I didn't really understand why we needed like that made it a lot better for me. So I think I, I have a better understanding of where you're coming from, but I think that's just to me. I don't think that that makes it bad in the same way. I don't think Dune was a bad movie. I think this felt a lot like Dune to me in the movie making style. And it's just not a style mm, I enjoy. Fair. And from what I'm seeing online, I think a lot of people kind of feel like I do. A lot of people feel like you do. I think this is, they really committed to this vision artistically. And I have a great deal of respect for that. Even if it's not my favorite vision. Yeah, I, I get that, you know. Um, the first five minutes, I was kind of like, all right, what are we doing here? 
And like I knew ahead of time that it was three <laughs> hours long. And when I found out originally that it was three hours long, I was like, why is this a three hour movie? And right. I felt a little similar in terms of the, I'm not going to call it the third act because it was like probably the fifth act or something. Right. That's but fair, yeah. the, the final act. Right. Yeah, it felt like the last hour of a three-hour movie, but looking at it now, it's the last maybe like 40 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, more or less. And I actually think that movie's really – that part of the movie is really essential to the story, and I think it would be a much less satisfying story without that. Could there have been a two-hour movie made out of mm-hmm. parts of this? Absolutely, you know? I think the car chase scene definitely didn't need to be there, right? I think they – I yeah. think the filmmakers actually weren't intending to use the Batmobile at all. They basically just were told, no, we need to sell toys, so you need to put it in. Right. Um, I think it was a fantastic car chase scene, and I'm not that into car chase scenes. Yeah, like, I think it could have been 20% as long as it was, but the 20% I, less. that's another time where I feel like, yeah, no, no, I mean, like, 80% less of a car chase. Oh, I chase. thought you meant the entire movie. But, I was like, that's a that's a short film. <laughs> okay, the car no, no, chase. No, I sure. the car chase. But the, in some ways, the car chase, I feel like, is a perfect microcosm of what I mean. Because I thought the idea of doing the car chase primarily from Penguin's perspective instead of Batman's. And giving that idea of this, like, one thing I loved about this movie is this felt a very grounded, very close to Earth. Like, even more so than the Chris Nolan yeah. movies. And and so having the moment where Penguin feels like he's gotten away and then you – because you see the ball of fire and then you just see the Batmobile come through it and all you're really seeing is the look on Penguin's face as he sees it. Like that's one of the most brilliant like shots in any Batman property yeah. I've ever seen. Like fantastic idea, fantastic vision. Uh, the execution I thought could have been could have been better. I will say having now seen it a second time, I think I would clarify a little bit. I think there are things that happen in that last act. And here, what I'm talking about is like everything from basically like after Riddler's been arrested and they figure out like the main plot that Riddler had of like the bombs yeah. going off. I think there are things that happen during that time period that are 100% essential. You're right. I just thought the execution of it was really bad. Like the whole flooding thing came out of nowhere. It, it all the stuff would like go into the garden, but but it's lo- it's high ground, but it's actually low. It it, it just didn't make any sense right. to me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I I, mean, I I think I yeah to me I think you could cut a lot of the fat of just those long like all those five second shots that I think could have been two second shots, um, and cut some of the ending out because I think you're right. I think some people have said the movie should have ended like in the diner. And I think, or even in the jail cell. And I think, I think there's a lot, there is a lot that happens in that last act that is pretty essential. I just didn't think it was well Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched it a second time. All right. I'll, I'll say it this way. It's a three hour movie that going in, I was like, why are you making a three hour movie? And I watched it twice mm-hmm. in less than 24 hours. And like, to me, I don't think I can give a better compliment than that besides watching it thrice. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. I mean, you've spent twenty four. You've spent twenty five percent of the last it, day exactly, this and there movie. was sleep existing somewhere in there too. So it's like my last day has yeah. been twenty five percent sleep, twenty five percent the Batman, and like fifty percent <laughs> poker and whatever. But um, yeah. yeah, I uh, I hear you. I think if you take those five second shots and make them two seconds, I think you ruin the movie. And I think 
that impulse, this is like a very Scorsese sounding thing to do, say, but is kind of part mm -hmm. of what is ruining the movie industry a little bit. And like, I love okay. that there are fast cut fight scenes and that there are big special effect, whatever things. And that, you know, and that you can do all these things with green screens and whatever. But I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty sick of the MCU, you know? And I feel like yeah, that's fair. what Marvel has done is they've made a bunch of movies that are really good, but as much as they're getting more and more different, they're also still very much the same. You know, in terms of tone and in terms of movie making, basically. And what they did right. is they basically gutted the industry of mid-tier films, right? Mid-tier filmmaking, mid-budget filmmaking just barely exists anymore. And here it felt to me like somebody was like, okay, I've got one of these hundreds of millions of dollars budgets and I'm going to make what you would make in a mid-tier film. I'll have some explosions and stuff like that and some huge fight scenes. Mm -hmm. But honestly, those scenes felt so much more interesting to me than, um, than so much of the action I see in, in other action movies these days because it was choreographed. It was, there were long holds on shots. I could see what was going on, you know, and yeah. it was dark, but it wasn't too dark. You know, it was dark, but they actually used a lot of warm tones as well. And I just think that yeah. they were able to convey a mood in a way that I think, I don't know, I, I think it's a lot like Daredevil to me, the TV series, right? Where it has this kind of slow burn. I mean, a lot of it is very slow. But to me, it's not dragging. None of it's in slow motion, right? It's yeah. a very deliberate pacing. It's a very noir feel. I mean, this is the most noir Batman I've ever seen in live action by far. 100%, which is a huge part of what right. I loved about it. I remember the first thing I came out thinking was I was so angry that it wasn't on mm. HBO because it meant instead of having to wait a couple right. of hours, I would have to wait six weeks or two months or whatever it is. I'm sure. bad with numbers to be able to say, we finally got the greatest detective on screen. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and just your, what you said, I, I think you kind of lumped a lot in there. I, I totally agree with you about the mid-tier movies going away. I, I don't blame the MCU as much as I think that the MCU is kind of a symptom of... of yeah, I think it's the business. And, there's a lot of and the MCU there. is a product of the business, and that's sort of what happened, and Star Wars is involved, and you know it, Disney is a big part of it. Exactly. And it's not that I would want more action instead of that. And, and you know, I remember I've tried to introduce a number of people I know of younger generations to the original Star Wars movies... And they always say they're right. way too slow. And I'm like, no. I, something about this, I don't know, the shots just mm -hmm. didn't work for me as much. And I will certainly say in terms of the darkness, watching it at home with the lights on makes it a fundamentally mm. different movie. Because watching it in the theater, it was far too dark. Uh, and that's – maybe that's not true for everybody because – but I certainly heard from a lot of other people. You know, that's the joke is that Batman keeps getting black, darker and darker and darker to the point where like – in 2030, they're going to make a movie that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched it with the lights out and didn't have a problem. So I don't know. I, the okay. theater, I, I will say this if I had gone to the theater to watch a three hour, like, I mean, I'm not going to the theater anyway, but like, I think I definitely would not have enjoyed it as much if I was like trying to figure out what scene do I want to miss so I can get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of this. 
you know, or like stretch my legs or whatever. Like, yeah, we paused it. You know, I paused it again on the second watch. I don't want to watch three hours sitting in one place. I just, I don't do three hours sitting at a a desk anymore. Like I don't do that, you know? So I could see three hours is just too long to tell people you have to sit still. And I think that's part of why I felt like I got so much more out of that last part than I did mm-hmm. the first time. Because, you know, I, 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 I don't have a good sense of time. And so you get to this great, like, confrontation with Riddler. And Riddler figures out that Batman isn't on his side. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so brilliant. What a great way to end mm-hmm. the movie. And I'm like, cool. Also, that means right. I can stretch yeah. my legs now. And I, I don't have to go to the bathroom because I'm not drinking anything. And I'm getting pretty right, yeah. thirsty. And then it's like... Uh, Oh, wait, what, what, we're, we're still doing yeah. this? We're still yeah, doing this? Okay, Riddler's plan has been, wait, why are we spending 30 more seconds watching these two ride off on bikes on motorcycles together? Wait, we're still watching them on motorcycles together? <laughs> like, so yeah. Anyway, let so putting aside the film critic part of it, I think we're starting to touch already on some of the stuff we really love. Um, let's talk about kind of the themes of the movie because... I think one of the reasons why you and I both love Batman is because of the different themes that the Batman story can mm-hmm. get into. And and one of the conversations we've had throughout this whole series has been, you know, which Batman is it? Is it, you know, all the combat toys Batman? Or is it, you know, rich boy ninja Batman? Or is it greatest detective Batman? Or is it emo brooding Batman? Or is it all the police are corrupt and how do I fight crime Batman? How would you describe kind of the, the overall theme and tone of this movie? And how do you I feel mean, about I it? think it did all of those things, first of all. You know, it like. Yeah, it's kind of tr- I kept naming them and being like, oh, yeah, yeah this movie did that too. It hit all this those notes. I too. mean, you know, you get three hours. Hopefully, you know, if you don't put half the movie in slow motion, you could get a lot done, right? Um, the yeah. thing <laughs> that I think set this one apart from all the others and why I actually like it more than The Dark Knight, even, it had a detective Batman. He was straight up. Like a police consultant, Sherlock Holmes, you know, Adrian Monk, like, you know, Temperance Brennan, Bones, like a consulting detective, basically, who who also was an action hero ninja, rich boy, you know, but like <laughs> he would go in with Gordon and look at a crime scene, like with the police there, which there's a lot to say about that, right? But like... He, you know, and Penguin made the joke like, oh, you guys are the two world's greatest detectives, like, you know, back in, like a, an insult. But um, I think this Bruce, this Batman is not the world's greatest detective yet. But to me, yeah. this showed um, sort of the journey of how someone went from being this very vengeful, angry and scarred rich boy who put on a costume to go beat up criminals at night to becoming very much exactly my vision of Batman. It's really interesting because I think one of the things that often comes up is, you know, where does Batman fall on that kind of like anti-hero, vigilante hero scale? I think this movie goes further into Batman being a vigilante who is is very much an anti-hero all the way to him becoming more heroic, more just like a straight up rescuing people hero then I think he's been in any property I've seen on screen, except maybe animated series. And yeah, in some ways, this to me feels like a very different take on an origin story, but it is to me fundamentally an origin story because it is how he goes from being I am vengeance to I right. am Batman. And 
and I kind of really like that. I like the idea of showing him not being the good. And, and they did so much of that, like not just with the whole I am vengeance scene, which I was really uncomfortable with, but then I really I got mm-hmm. where they're going with and I loved. But even just things like there's a moment where he's like running through a building to get out and he opens a, uh, a window and there's a, and there's a uh, he's on like a, uh, a cliff, but like yeah. a ledge and he pulls back. Right. He's so afraid. And I was like, I've never seen Batman be a, fr- you know, in, in Christopher Nolan, the whole thing is like he conquers his fear and then puts on the suit, which I get is, an, is a fun take. I love that he's put on the suit. He's been doing this for two years and he's still overcoming yeah. his fear. Like, I just thought that was such a brilliant way to show. Yeah. That. And it's like he's never done this before. You know, he's never base jumped off, of, you know, in a squirrel suit or whatever, like uh, like they had in the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, and I thought that was a cool way of doing it too. It's like, oh, that's, yeah, that's a thing that actually exists. People do that. And like, it did not yeah. go that well. You know, like that was yeah. one of the maybe two <laughs> times in the movie I laughed. I don't usually love movies that I don't laugh that much, you know? And I, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, oh, he just totally wiped out. That's, that's, that's very embarrassing, <laughs> Bruce. But like, yeah, it, it's showing that, you know, he had fear Although, you know, he claimed that he wasn't afraid to die, but it's like, that doesn't mean that you don't have this, like, just adrenaline, like, oh, wow, that's, you know, your, your body, right? Your, your amygdala or whatever yeah. responds to it. And he's, he's just not done that bit before. Um, but that more of his fear yeah. comes from, like, losing mm-hmm. people or, or whatever. And that, you know, that comes up again later. But, yeah, this Batman very much doesn't start off as, you know, this experienced Batman. I Also, in terms of origin stories, like... Thank you for not showing us any pearls, you know, yes, no, no Martha's, Martha's pearls. pearls. Like you can talk about things like we, we know, we know, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so the fact that they didn't feel the need to do that, you know, there, there weren't any flashbacks really of Bruce as a boy, right? Like this, yeah. it felt very grounded in the present. They talked about the past, but they talked about the past, the way you experience the past and the present by talking about it, watching a video or whatever, seeing pictures, not by like right. being like, oh, let's, let's go on a tour. You know, they did this kind of cool thing. And I think this may be part of what you're thinking in that, like, what are they doing in the first few minutes where, you know, by having the mayor's by having the mayor be killed as kind of the first big thing that happens in the movie and the mayor's son being an yeah. orphan, someone who's at least lost his father, not yeah. his mother, but still being kind of partially orphaned at a similar age and having Bruce so clearly relate to him. I thought that was a nice way of getting the the visual and the emotional effect of a young boy who's had a parent die without it being a Bruce flag. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, you know, they started with, the scene of the so so much of this movie felt very voyeuristic, right? It starts with we have yeah. Riddler's perspective, I believe, right? Looking, spying into the building, mm-hmm. and we see like a sword fight, and it's like, oh, what's going on in there? And it's like, oh, they're playing, right? And then they're going to go out trick or treating, right. and so we see, you know, the father with his son, and you know, we find out he's a bad guy, right? He's been doing really bad things. But, you know, when he gets murdered, we see how even somebody who has this big negative effect on a lot of people still has this positive effect on some number of people, right? Like, everyone who right. dies is is a tragedy to someone, you know? Even if we're like, oh, yeah. well, that person, who cares about that person? It's like somebody... 
Everyone I killed is someone's son, someone's husband. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. El Mariachi. To misquote Desperado. Desperado. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was really well done. I, I will just say, though, on the subject of pearls, one thing we've talked about throughout the series on the Batman is that when we talk about things that the parents did besides die, all we ever talk about oh, is Thomas Wayne. I agree. And, and, and <laughs> like, we talk more about Martha Wayne... But mostly we talk about how she got institutionalized and had to be protected by yeah. Thomas Wayne. And I was like, I wanted more Martha Wayne. That's not right, the right, more right. Martha yeah. Wayne I yeah. wanted. Yeah, they, they did not do well by Martha. I will. It is tied with yeah. every other Batman movie for doing absolutely nothing for her or with her. Um, Pennyworth, on the other hand, like actually, tried. you know, um, is pretty much the only yeah. thing that really gives you any of that. Yeah. And it was kind of fun to have, like, the two fan, like, it, and it's a very different take on Thomas Wayne, which we'll get to, yeah. to be sure, in a, in a few minutes. But just back to the kind of the mystery, the detective of it, I think also this is something that the second watch helped me. Because the first time I was torn, because on the one hand, they showed him being a detective, but I didn't really understand, you know, because Riddler is basically like, you didn't get it, you didn't understand and then, and that's part of why I was so frustrated that the whole thing about bombing the waterway and flooding the city came literally mm. out of nowhere because it felt like that all was because he had failed as a detective. Yeah. I, I think, though, the second time through, A, I, I did see more of how what he was figuring out worked, but also more of why him failing is because, as you said, he's still learning. He's right. not yet the world's yeah, greatest detective. Especially because... It's funny, I talked about how I thought this movie was too long, but as I've said about a number of properties recently, like The Eternals especially, although I think this is much better, I thought it was too long. I also thought it could have been great as an eight or ten episode series because there were so many more storylines I wanted to explore mm -hmm. further. And just connecting to the detective thing, one of them is Bruce's relationship mm, with Alfred. Yeah. And and we'll, we'll get to that in a bit, but... I did really like that so much of the detective work was Alfred helping him mm -hmm. connect the dots and Alfred helping him do the cipher stuff. And like, to me, it's kind of a, like Bruce isn't the world's greatest detective yet, but the team of Alfred and Bruce are very yeah. good. And detectives. Gordon, you know, it's and like Gordon, half yeah, the movies, so. like a, a buddy cop film, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it really like, is. I mean, it's, so it's, it's interesting because I feel like, um, first of all, Batman feels very alone a lot of the time in this, just in his presence, mm -hmm. right? He's got this lonely, solitary presence. And, you know, they've got the the very noir voiceover, right? Where he's, like, reading from his journal right. or he's, he's saying what he's writing in his journal. Um, which then is paralleled with Riddler also doing that, right? Right. Um, but, you know, he starts off, he's, he's with... Gordon early on, right? Then you show him with Alfred a fair amount. Then he does this whole, you know, operation with Selena. And then again, he's with Gordon, right? And, you know, Alfred gets, gets blowed up a little bit, a little light blowing up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good thing he has that uh, SAS training or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And knew to throw the C4 away from him before he ex it exploded. But like, you know, there, there was a whole lot of team up in this which i thought was really interesting and i felt worked very well yeah. because it let him still be this kind of like you know sort of dour loner but at the same time had someone to play off of um 
you know, yeah. and and I think I think Gordon was like his Watson for for half the movie, but also you know had his own notes like like the better versions of Watson do as well. Definitely, definitely. The other big kind of big theme I want to talk about, and let's get into some of the individual characters. You know, he starts the movie by saying, "I right. am vengeance," and this is something I think we've talked about a bunch in other versions of Batman. I think it's the strongest representation of it is oddly in in one of the the only movie I think that we didn't really talk about, which is the animated movie Master oh, of yes. Phantasm. Actually, there's a lot of animated yes. movies, but you know this has always been a theme for Batman, and I, and I think it's, it's it's a similar theme to Daredevil. It's a similar theme to Punisher. It's a theme Daredevil and Punisher yeah. argue about, which is what is the line between vengeance versus for lack of a better term, justice, but I'm using sure. that term with yeah. big quotation marks where it's the kind of idea of retributive justice, at least as I would put it kind of, yeah, it's like, are you trying to feel better about the terrible thing that happened to you? Or are you trying to make the world more a place where the terrible thing that happened to you doesn't happen to others? Um, so what, and I thought they did a very interesting show of it by having really three different characters all looking for vengeance at some point in the movie bruce selena and yes. the riddler how'd you feel about the kind of the way the movie used that topic of vengeance as kind of a through yeah line? i mean i think that was clearly like the theme right um you know you got the right. whole red color scheme going a lot of the time and in the in the you know the promotional materials or whatever the title um it which I did think was like I'm so used to Batman being black and blue, and so it now being black and red was like, oh, okay, that's a that's right, a yeah, this is a little different, you know. <laughs> it's like this is this is going to be specific. Um, yeah, I, I I loved Bruce's or Batman's growth in that regard, kind of from mm -hmm. being like I am vengeance to you know being like I mean I'll just go right to the end where you know. It, kind of the idea of like what does it mean to be a hero like at first he's working with the cops and like policing's really messed up in the city it's totally corrupt but to the end they have that one shot he's rescuing a bunch of people and they show him with a bunch of firefighters which first of yeah. all had a very like kind of 9-11 kind of feel to it to me seeing like take people mm -hmm. out of the rubble but like also like i don't know i think i think being a firefighter is like inherently pretty heroic there's not a lot you can argue with there, right? Whereas, you know, policing is, is defensive of how you feel about the justice system. You know, some of us, not so good. Yeah. We don't feel so good about it. So seeing Batman kind of go from this, like, you know, justice system, police consultant, which, you know, maybe he'll still do probably, right? But, like, to, like, I'm going to dig people out of the rubble. And, like, that that's, like, right. this more meaningful thing to do. You know, it's not about punishing people. It's about saving people, helping people. Um, and I thought that was really powerful. And then I think Selena, you know, she just, she wanted vengeance, which makes sense. And I think that was even before she knew right. that um, Falcone killed her mom, right? Which I think we were able to figure out earlier because she was strangled. Well, no, I, I think she knew that Falcone killed her mom. She didn't know that Falcone killed her best friend. Mm, I think she didn't know that Falcone killed her mom in the beginning. I think she knew her mom got killed. I don't think she knew that Falcone like mm. strangled her himself. Okay, that, you know? that's, certainly um, that's certainly possible. Yes, she definitely wanted vengeance against Falcone right from the beginning. But right. I think in terms of, I don't think her plan was to kill him. Her plan was to rip him off. And then she found out that he right. killed her best friend, her friend. Or I, I don't know. I got some right. vibes 
Like, was that just like a roommate or like, they oh, were... no, there's there's definitely been a lot of talk that they were possibly yeah, more than friends. Yeah, it definitely um, felt that I way. I think that I, – I think, yeah, it was it, it was one of those things where I think – I think you can 100% read it that way. I'm sure there's a lot of fan fiction already <laughs> yeah. written about it that is, to me, totally legitimate. I, I've i heard a lot of people my, – my wife was pretty loud about this, and I can – I agree with it. I wish that they had just gone ahead and made that sure, canonical, yeah. but – but yeah, I think I think it's it's either way. It was definitely someone she had very strong feelings of of connection to, and yeah, it's funny too because at first revengeance is more for the cop, but then she realizes like that. that I think it's when she you know she hears the tape that she has yes. of the cop yeah, yeah. and Falcone that it becomes vengeance against right both exactly. Um, and I like that that Batman saved him. I mean, even though he's obviously a mm-hmm. scumbag, right? But like. That's what he does. You know, it's the, I have to try. Like, I'm not here to kill right. people. Um, even if maybe chasing the penguin on the highway when I could have just found him at his club someday later, like, might have resulted in the deaths of dozens of people in some huge pileup. Maybe they all survived. Who those knows? Tru- those truck drivers are not doing well. Um, <laughs> but, also, how does Penguin's car not have any airbags? I there are cars that, that, that are, if it was an old enough model. There are cars that don't That's have possible. airbags, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, and how did yeah. he survive that? But you know, whatever. Um, also true. I also did true. like the part where she was like, he has to pay or I want him to pay. And, and Batman's like, but you don't have to pay with him. You know, yeah. like. Yeah. Like in some ways when he stops the cop from falling to his death. I feel like on some level he's saving Selena more than he's right. saving the cop. Like he's he is preventing the death of the cop, but also he's preventing Selena from mm-hmm. becoming a murderer. Literally you know? in front she of another cop a... too, by the way. You know? <laughs> yeah. Who she did just commit attempted murder, so it's good she tries yeah, to get away. But like I feel like, like Gordon I remember the could overlook time... that a lot easier than you know yeah. <laughs> than actually actual yeah, it's of like a fellow when cop. you have a body, it's like, you know, there's this. What are you gonna do? Oh uh, yeah, he just he tripped and fell off yeah. the roof. But like, I did like actually how he shows up. You know, she's there with him, and he has these scratches on his face. But mm-hmm. like, you know, we don't see that she did that. But obviously, she did that, right? We saw the nails. Yeah. Like, I felt like there were a lot Definitely. of details that were implied, but that they didn't have to show us. Mm-hmm. The other thing I really liked about the Bruce and Selena kind of discussions over vengeance was. Like, I, I did think, again, this is kind of where I wish it was more of a series. Like, he goes from being, I am vengeance, I'm going to beat the absolute living crap out of these people on the subway, to, um, no, Selena, you can't do it pretty fast. Well, but I... It's not like he was killing people on the subway. Okay, sorry, go ahead, finish. Right. Well, but I mean, he's literally saying, I am vengeance, um, which, again, was a fantastic scene once you know that that's not actually the vision of Batman. Yeah. Like, if, if, if that was going to be the Batman at the end of the movie, I wouldn't have liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, not yeah, my yeah, Batman. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't the filmmaker's yeah. Batman either. It wasn't Bruce Wayne's Batman. But what I was going with, to me, the scene where Bruce basically wants to use Selina to gather information towards his mm-hmm. vengeance, but is utterly uninterested in what Selina actually wants to the point of, like, getting mad at her when she doesn't, like... She kind of does her own thing a little bit, and she calls him out on it. I thought that was a really good scene, a really good. For me, I think one of the traps that Bruce Wayne can fall into is where he is so focused on taking care of people writ large 
that he doesn't really pay attention to individual people. And you you pointed out, I think, that Batman, the original, the animated series, is kind of the exception there. It does a really good job of showing that he has real compassion for individual yeah. people, not just sort of humanity at large. And so I thought them having that, him having to realize that she wanted vengeance in a different way for different people than mm -hmm. what he wanted, to me, was a really powerful way of showing part of his growth. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I also think that they had a lot of scenes of, you know, and these were some of those slow five second shots that held for a while. But like him looking at mm -hmm. the boy, you know, the the mayor's son. Yeah. Like that guy who was complaining about, you know, I feel like he was complaining about health insurance or like that, you know, what goods, you know, mm -hmm. this this social programs if they're not actually, you know, what goods a safety net if it doesn't catch anybody, basically, right? Like yeah. saying that like you know, you've got these things that are supposed to help, but like, if they don't really help, you know, we've got a problem. Right. I may have said to my partner in the movie theater, we get it. He sees himself in the orphan. Please move on. Uh, so I didn't enjoy those five second shots as much as you did. But again, that that's that's a film thing. Um, what do you think about the, the, the way the Riddler's idea of vengeance was coming from? Um... And how it how it plays into yeah, all the so, story. Yeah, so I mean, the Riddler feels like a very unfortunately real person. Maybe a lot smarter yeah. than most of these people, but um, you know. And then the the Riddler gang, basically, which wasn't a gang of people he mm -hmm. hired. It was a bunch of people he met online in some you know private yeah. chat room, private Facebook group, or whatever. I mean, not Facebook, but like. I mean, they were literally lonely, angry white men with guns who'd been radicalized yeah. on the internet. Like, as you said, there's completely, like, that's straight yeah, out of the headlines. And, and the thing is, also, you know, the a lot of them are very anti-cop, right? Like, the, the Boogaloo mm -hmm. boys and whoever are, like, very specifically right. anti-cop. And these were, too, right? Riddler was talking about the pigs will have me or whatever, right? And right. Um, and so that's that felt very accurate to that very unfortunate you know reality of of our world and the thing about that whole thing is that generally people do have some legitimate points about how messed up the world we live in is and often right. they're angry at a lot of the people responsible and then take it out on a lot of the people not responsible and yeah. that to me was sort of that's why after I thought about it more, I felt like the end made sense. In the beginning, I was thinking of Riddler as this like very surgical, I'm just going to kill these people because they are the people responsible. You know, but the fact mm -hmm. that there are unfortunately so many people who are angry at a lot of the people causing the problems, but then are just like, but I just want to kill a lot of people. It's horrible, right. you know, but it it's a it's a reality of our world and it it felt unfortunately like yeah i i i could see that you know yeah it there's two things i want to respond to there one just in terms of like the relevance to real to real life experiences i think you're right that sometimes we can look and be like these are people who are angry for legit reasons or but also the way they're dealing with their anger or the way they take that anger is completely wrong 
There's also a lot of people who are angry because it's not a white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, the white supremacist faction, um, which even then, I think a lot of those people are angry about a lot of things that people should be angry about, but they're angry at the wrong people. Right. They're angry about the economic failures. They're just blaming the immigrants instead exactly. of the government. Yeah. Like, and, and, and yeah, and, and same way, kind of like a lot of the kind of super sexist, misogynist ones. Like, I think there's again, they're, 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 it's hard for me to kind of relate to that. But certainly the sort of the, the anti-government, the anti-cop, certainly something sure. we can talk about a lot. And and again, to be very clear, we're not for a moment sort of sympathizing with or justifying any of the mass shootings. That's the whole point, though. We're talking about like. I can understand how someone would get radicalized listening right. to this person. Not sympathize with it, but understand it. And that's what parts it makes it so yeah. terrifying. And just to be super clear, and like I white supremacy, I... awful. Misogyny, awful. Patriarchy, awful. Right? Just to like, just be clear. Right? But like, yeah, exactly. also, you know, everyone's oppressed in some way, but not by the people who are more oppressed than them. It's by the people who are less oppressed and have more power. And, you know, Riddler here was going off after the people at the top. But then he was like, well, you know, enough. And I think you helped put you helped put a finger on another thing that I didn't like about the ending the first time I saw it, which was, yeah, I thought Riddler was doing this very interesting job of he kind of wanted to be Gotham's defender. Mm -hmm. He wanted to help Gotham. And I love all the stuff about him identifying with Batman. We'll get to that in a bit. And so after seeing all that, it didn't make sense to me why he'd be like, okay, cool. Now that I've like helped Gotham see all of its problems so that Gotham can get rid of all these people as I'm helping them do. But by the way, I'm going to go Ra's al Ghul. I want the whole city to die in a flood and mass shootings. I think now hearing what you say, and I kind of was getting that as I was watching it the second time, I do get that maybe that's kind of the point. I still find it hard to believe. And I kind of feel like you needed a, especially because this is his plan all along. I think if it had been, he has that confrontation where he realizes Batman doesn't agree with him. He, he's not Mm -hmm. on the team with Batman the way he thinks. And that's what pushes him to go. Okay. I'm not going to try and rescue Gotham. I'm going to try and destroy Gotham. I think I would have liked that would have made more sense to me, but you're right. I definitely, I definitely think that the progression he goes through is one that's unfortunately very real and very, in that regard, very believable. The one last thing I'll say about kind of the Riddler's idea of vengeance, um, first of all, him saying I am vengeance, one of the Riddler people saying I am vengeance is a a great nod, and I think we'll get into the idea of like how much Batman inspires these folks, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. But I also think, you know, we've talked in the show a little bit, and there's certainly been a lot of controversy on other discussions about the movie The Mm. Joker. And <clears throat> you've talked about a it number of people. Show. I think, yeah, I, I've certainly talked about. It, yeah, Paul, you and I don't yeah. fully agree on that, and that's fine. Um, but certainly, a lot of others have have made those points. And in some ways, what Riddler does at the end here is kind of similar to what Joker does. And a lot of people who are very angry, a lot of people who are very defensive about the Joker movie, have made the point: Why aren't we as angry at this mm. movie? And and I think the difference is, at least for me, that in the Joker. I felt like the movie was kind of making you sympathize with a character who would turn to violence like that. Whereas this movie, I think very clearly is not doing that. It's very clearly making him the antagonist instead of the protagonist. Like, 
to me, if this movie had Riddler as the oh, protagonist, right. I would I would be just as right. upset about it. And what to me, I'm not trying to open the debate about the Joker as much, but I I feel like they had to be aware of both the movie, the Joker, and the discussions it had caused because it felt to me mm-hmm. so similar that it felt like this that this screenwriter was trying to Matt Reeves was kind of trying to be like, eh, I I want to make a similar point but from a very different perspective than what Interesting. the Joker did. Yeah. I- Personally, I I'll sympathize with anyone. Like I I don't I don't see it as some sort of like sympathizing with someone doesn't mean condoning their actions. You know. I think that's a better way to put it. Is I feel like I I, I can definitely sympathize with anyone. Yeah, I I felt like the Joker movie somewhat condoned the actions. Oh, okay. I didn't at um, all. Um, but we we don't have to get into that. But yeah, I I yeah. I think I mostly strongly disagree with most of the criticisms of the Joker movie, I certainly see where people are mm-hmm. coming from. I don't really feel right. like it had the intention that a lot of people have said, but I mm-hmm. can certainly see how it could have the effect that people are worried about. Right. So, you know. Well, and either way though, do you think that that scene in this movie was in some ways like, not necessarily like entering that debate, but, but then it was like, it's, that Matt Reeves probably had some of that discussion and well that that movie in mind as this as these scenes. I have no idea, um, but it it does feel to me like a different take on a similar theme. You know, mm-hmm. I yeah yeah. I, I I don't know. I know some of the stories that this was supposed to kind of be inspired by, but I I haven't read right. too much about the actual you know process of coming up with a story. And honestly. For me, like, movies being particularly influenced by the reception of other movies is something I really don't particularly like. So, you know, that would, that would almost... I mean, I, I like sometimes an occasional nod, you know, like... You know, and there was a yeah. bit of an Easter egg here where, like, something said, like, hush, right? And it's like, well, that's a Batman villain, you know? And, like... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I feel like... I don't know. Um... To, to me, it, it feels like a movie yeah, that stands I, very much on its own, which is one of the things I like about it that is not tied into all this other DC stuff, you know? Right. No, I think that's definitely true. And, and to be clear, it's not that I think that this movie was like, oh, they critiqued the Joker, so we right. have to be different. I more think that this movie was like, well, the Joker... And right, I don't think that movie started that sure. conversation about like how much can you you know condone. But I think that to me, the movie was like, okay, that movie, that movie started... That movie was the most recent entry in a very interesting sure. conversation, and we have things to say about that. Same yeah, yeah, that, yeah, it's that kind of more way to put it. Um, well, there's a lot of things in this movie about like just how money corrupts everything, and like the way that you know people having monetary control and advertising <laughs> and things like that um, can be problems, and we'll get into that. But first, a word from our that, sponsors. Um, I love that transition. So we're trying I'm just, to. I just, I just, you know, five stars. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, friends, I love doing these podcasts. It does cost some money. Um, you know, the website, the recording equipment, <clears throat> that kind of stuff. Um, the time involved, things like that. And we've been trying different ways to kind of, you know, help pay the bills around here. <clears throat> I think I just never really quite figured out the Patreon stuff. I may give that another try, but I recently got approached by a chance to do some kind of, uh, direct sponsorship and, I was interested in wanting to give it a try. And so support the support for this episode of Superhero Ethics is brought to you by Manscaped, uh, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. 
Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. I am reading their language, not necessarily <laughs> mine. Uh, Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's... I'm going to change it to... Manscaped recently launched the ultimate penis-having people's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million people worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Uh, if you go to uh, the Manscaped website, which is just manscaped.com, it will be in the show notes, and you'll get 20% off if you use the code HEROETHICS, H-E-R-O-E-T-H-I-C-S, all one word. Um, so, yeah, um, Paul and I both got uh, free copies of the, the whole performance set, and we got a chance to try them out. I want to first say, just, I said it was a little bit of a joke, but... Um, I gotta mention it, you know. I think what Manscaped is doing is really fascinating. I love the idea of creating a space where it's okay to talk about like men's grooming and and especially of that part of the man's body. Eh, I'm redo that part because the whole point. Um, the, the language there that I'm using is kind of the whole point. I I like the idea of paying more attention to uh, outer genitals instead of inner genitals for grooming products. If you want to do it that way. I don't love that this is all done as man's things, uh, especially because I am a, I am not a man. I happen to have a penis and balls that is good to, you know, keep groomed in good ways. And there's lots of other people who are not men who could use these products. And there's lots of men who would have no use for these products. So putting that editorial comment aside, though, I got to say, this is not a product I ever thought I would really give much attention to. And I'm kind of loving it so far. What What's kind of your... Paul, what, what's been kind of your approach to, to the concept of manscaping before before uh, I approached you right. on this ad? So first of all, four million. That's pretty deep market penetration. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Boy. I mean, <laughs> you know, stay for the puns, right? Or leave for the puns. I don't know. You can you can cut that and put that at the end. Um, yeah, the first time I, I will heard remind the... you that your mother's listening to this. <laughs> I was going to remind you of that. Um, the puns. <laughs> she's here for the puns. You know, multiple entendres. The first time I heard the word manscape was in Las Vegas uh, on, and I think someone was like, I think you and I are the only two people here who don't manscape. I thought the word was manscrape at first, which sounded ah, much more no, unpleasant. No, no. However, I will say that when engaging in such things, I do feel much safer with these tools than anything else I've thought <laughs> about in the past or, or tried. So um, that, I think, is of utmost importance. Um, also, I don't yeah. think it's just for, um, you know, uh, below the waist. There is uh, an ear and nose hair trimmer, which I have made use of. And there are these... Oh, yeah? How, how was that? I'm not going to use that oh, one Oh, good. Yet. Very good. Yes. Yes, I can breathe nice. better. Nice. The, fr the phrase that I want to use in terms of their performance package and their marketing is commitment to the bit. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because they have a concept <laughs> that there's a mowing the lawn is the equivalent of taking care of your hair downstairs. And they go like there's there's a crop duster product. There's a. Um, yeah, I've so got all crop preserver and crop reviver here, which are uh, mm -hmm. fully vegan, which I, I verified before, you know, saying, yes, yeah, send me the product. And, you know, cruelty-free, dye-free, blah, blah, blah. And they're quite pleasant. Yeah. You know, they're yeah, like I, salves and lotions and whatever. So, I, I've used the trimmer a little bit. I'm going to use it more before I talk about it too much. But I will say the concept of ball deodorant was not one that I'd ever given much thought to until I did realize, like, yeah, that is a part of my body that sweats a good deal and is not the most pleasant. And sometimes after a long day, if there's going to be a... Uh, Amorous activities. I want to make sure I take a shower for other reasons, but that especially. 
I put on the ball deodorant a couple hours ago, and I'm seeing a difference. I'm, well, I'm <laughs> noticing a difference in terms of the the lack of uh, uh, sweat and type things. I also will say I'm wearing their boxers. Mm. The the set comes with a pair of boxers. They're incredibly comfortable. Uh, the phrase like you know full hold is definitely uh, appropriate there. And I'm even wearing their t-shirt, which. I would wear in public if it didn't have the words, your balls will thank you. And perhaps I need to get over that shame. Um, I'm... But And these products can help me. But yeah, it, it, the clothing's great. The, the products so far seem great. I'm really glad I got it. I'm really excited to kind of try out some more of the products. And we'll be talking about it a good deal over the next couple of weeks. And so uh, I hope others will give it a try too. Yeah, I definitely will wear the shirt while playing poker. Like it definitely feels nice. like a while playing poker shirt. Um, yes, yeah. I think that's very appropriate. Yeah. I think it's very appropriate. So yeah, listeners, we always want to hear your thoughts, but um, if you have tried products like this in the past, if you tried Manscaped products, we'd love to hear your own experiences with it. Uh, and if you haven't, check out their website, manscaped.com. You get a whole bunch of great different products uh, in that performance package, uh, and you'll get 20% off if you use the code HEROETHICS. H-E-R-O-E-T-H-I-C-S. And all that information will be in the show notes. So uh, we'll give more detailed reviews of particular products uh, over future episodes. But now, back to our regular story. Which happens to be the least well-groomed Batman in cinematic history. <laughs> yes, yes. And we're going to dive into the, the, the characters themselves. We'll talk about the Batman. And on the subject of grooming, I thought what they did with Batman's eye makeup was so brilliant. Oh, yes. Because... On the one hand, it's Robert Pattinson. This is like the actor who put emo actors on the map in a whole new way. Um, the emo look is, he looks fantastic in it as numerous people of all genders who find Robert Pattinson type people attractive have definitely confirmed. Uh, my own spouse was very loud about this as we were leaving the theater. I was agreeing with her, didn't mind, but uh, quite a, quite effusive. And so putting him in the eye make black eye makeup makes total sense. But then also, and I really hadn't thought about this till other pointed it out, every single Batman we've seen on screen, at least since Michael Keaton, has been wearing black makeup. Because if you look at the cowl, the flesh that's under the yeah. cowl is always black. We just never they just never acknowledge yeah. it anyway. And he, so so here it was like, they're not actually saying that Bruce Wayne wears more makeup than any other Batman, but they're reminding you that all these Batmans wear makeup because Robert Pattinson looks damn good in the makeup. <laughs> I, it, it made me feel sad that we never got to see a Brandon Lee as a Batman or as a Terry McGinnis or someone. I think mm. he would have been, I think actually he almost, somebody was, they were going to cast him as something anyway. Um, but yeah, cause it was very evocative of the crow to me. Yes. Very much. The, the, the hair kind of falling in his face the way it did. Yeah. And like in many ways, like the crow is kind of thought of as like one of the first goth movies. Yeah. Um, you know. So, what else did you think about uh, Pattinson's particular interpretation of this character? Uh, you know, I it was so understated in a way that I really appreciated a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I felt at points he was kind of trying to do a little bit of a Christian Bale accent as mm -hmm. as Batman. Um, you know, there was a difference between the Bruce Wayne voice and the Batman voice, but not a huge difference. And, um, you know, it wasn't like too growly. It also, there wasn't a lot of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I mean, I think Riddler kind of nailed it when he was like, 
you know, they don't understand it, but this is the real you, you oh, know, that line was so good. Was so good. That line was so, so good. good. Um, and yeah, just the, in terms of the performance, I felt like, <clears throat> all right, get, get ready for it. I felt this. Well, can I just say first a little bit more on the, the Bruce Wayne part of it? Yes. I, I noticed that Alfred says 45 minutes into the movie, you know, are, are is there going to be a Bruce Wayne sighting? And right. I realized, oh yeah, we haven't seen Bruce Wayne at all. Right. And I think it's kind of perfect because to me, what it kind of what the movie is about is this is before he's figured out that he has to have a Bruce Wayne persona to go out in public. Exactly. Exactly. So we see very little of Bruce Wayne. We see him talk to Falcone and like almost no one else, right? Like, does he even have a conversation with anybody else besides Alfred? As Bruce the Wayne. mayor kind of talks at him. Or, yeah, or, yeah. She um, tries Bella to talk Real to him and he basically ignores yeah. her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and we get – it's very clear he's a loner. Right. Exactly. He's a re- – yeah. I mean, here's the here's the tagline <clears throat> for the movie. On When you look on, on HBO, it says, Robert Pattinson stars in the dual role of Gotham City's vigilante detective and his alter ego, reclusive billionaire Bruce Wayne. So yeah. the two things there that I love are that they say detective in the mm-hmm. actual description, right? And then they say that Bruce Wayne is the alter ego, yeah. right? And that Batman is very clearly the dominant personality, basically. Yeah. Even though obviously and, they're not different personalities the way, you know, Moon Knight, but... Right. And, and Riddler gets that, and then also Selena Kyle gets it in a somewhat different way. At the very end, I forget the exact line she says, but... but excuse me. She's kind of explaining why she's got to leave, and, and there's a little bit of, like, should she stay because they might have some kind of relationship? And I forget what he says, but she kind of says, like, something like, there's already someone else. No, or, no, no. He lo- Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, the line's just too good. He, go for it. He looks at the bat signals up in the sky, and he looks at it, and she says, oh, I forgot. You're already spoken for. Yeah. And I was like, that whole thing of, like, any – like – Hit Batman's relationship with Gotham and with being Gotham's savior will always come before any relationship he has with with a, a love interest. It was just so perfectly said in that one line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was – you'd actually written it down. I was like, no, we're going to say this line exactly as it was because it was too perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I do have it in the notes yeah. right there. <laughs> Uh, all right, so but, but back to the original thing. Yeah, so tell me more about your thoughts on uh, Pat Bats. Right. The, mm, Robert Pattinson. Mm, mm. Um, at <laughs> one point, I was like, point. Bat Widow? Because he's got those, like, shocker things on his wrists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I would say the movie is riddled with good performances. And none of them are, like, really over the top. It's, it's weird because this movie reminds me a lot of Batman Returns. Because, of course, first of all, it has Penguin and Catwoman in it. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it very much feels, you know, that movie felt like a big budget art house film, right? And yeah. this feels the same. It doesn't feel the same type of sort of art film. It feels more just like a, a noir, right? But like, yeah. it it feels like it is very much interested in the act of filmmaking um, as a means of telling a story rather than sort of the convenience of telling a story. Um, but I felt like this one, as opposed to, you know, when we did Batman Returns, we were talking about this movie about Penguin and Catwoman that, oh yeah, also had Batman. And right. this one felt like it was so 
immersed in the perspective of Batman, you know, to the point of like really literally like, just the camera <clears throat> angles, the the number of times he's spying on people and you see through like, you know, the 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 goggles or whatever it is. And you know, it was so Batman centric. Um and the penguin was also in it and Catwoman had a very significant role, right? But it just felt very different and the performance felt so understated to me but in a way that really worked to me. It really did. There was not a moment where I felt like I. It's funny because, not very, not too. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's funny because only a week or two ago, I watched all of the Robert Pattinson Twilight movies. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be doing an episode about them pretty soon. I will say, if you want to really fall in love with Robert Pattinson as an actor, Google Robert Pattinson talks about Twilight. Because <laughs> apparently at some point he realized that enough teenage girls and teenagers of all genders would riot if they made a movie without him that he could do whatever he wanted. <laughs> He's like on the Twilight publicity tour ripping on the movies. Oh. Like at one point an actor, uh, a reporter asks him, so why would Edward do this? And he says, well... I'm not really sure there's much consistency to the character to be able to answer that question. <laughs> it's hilarious. But, yeah, I just thought he was so good in this. He was understated. But also, I mean, when you have an emo character who's emoing all over the place, like, there's a reason why that's kind of almost a joke, you know, because it is so easy to get so frustrated at that character. Right. To be like, you're sad. We get it. The rest of us are sad, too. Get over yourself. Um he never quite crosses that line. He comes really close to it. Like the conversations he has with Alfred, like Alfred has just woken up from almost oh, death. So and he's like, you lied to me. You lied to me. Oh no. I so wanted to smack that boy across the face. He's so mean to Alfred. It's horrible. But I so believed it. Yeah. You know? And I believed where it was coming from. I believe. And I just, it's a, I, I think this is my Batman. Yeah. I, I like I love Christian Bale. I love the animated series. I like Michael Keaton a lot. I I connect to this Batman so well. Yeah. Well, it's like and I think it's so much No, go ahead. So much is so much with the writing and, and as you said, the cinematography and all that. Like even just it's funny when you're talking about all the other details of it. Sorry, I'm going on for a while. No, it's fine. Yell at me about all the things I'm wrong about. Um like I love when movie makers intentionally take something that's like considered like a rule of filmmaking and break it, but because it's very intentional, mm -hmm. they do it in a way that's so well. And I know, like, I don't know much about filmmaking, but like, exposition is considered bad for the most part. And having just a voiceover of exposition is often thought of as like death for a good move, for what would have been a good movie. That's exactly what happens. So much of it, so much of his diary entries are straight up exposition yeah. telling you what's happened. And it's brilliant because his voice, I think the way he reads it, you just get – you're hearing the emotional content as much as you're hearing the exposition itself. And it works so well. Yeah, that's – it's really hard to pull that off, you know. Mm -hmm. And I do think that in – that is another thing that is just so noir, you know, where yeah. it's – because in noir, like, you have this detective who often – I mean, it's not always a detective, but – you know, you have this usually single single principal character whose perspective you're following most of the time, and often they are very quiet, right? They're not yeah. often the character who's talking a lot, right? And so having that kind of inner monologue, where here we have a device for that, 
he's not talking to the audience. He's writing in his journal. So it, I think it right. plays a little better to, to modern audiences than it would otherwise, right? But mm -hmm. it, if he delivered that poorly, like the whole movie might suck, you know? Yeah. It would definitely Completely suffer. Agree. And to me, one of the reasons that the brooding doesn't um, get in the way is that he doesn't sulk. You know, there, there mm -hmm. aren't scenes of him just sitting there doing nothing. He's kind of always doing something. He's trying to move forward, but there's that brooding emotion that he's carrying right. with him. So it's like, it's like it's something he's carrying with him to go do mm -hmm. something as opposed to, you know, these extended scenes of sitting around and you're like, why isn't anything happening in this movie? Oh, it's Twilight. That's just how it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> No, I mean, the abusive relationship happens quite a lot. Like, it's not, there's nothing Right, I have not movies. seen all the movies. I did not subject That's myself fair. to that. I was like, oh, a vampire movie, I'll see it. Wait, when does the vampire movie start? <laughs> Never did. Um, actually, the, the last movie is a vampire movie, and it has nothing to do with the rest of the Twilight movies. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I never um, got to that. I didn't get that far. Or it's a superhero mm. who sparkle movie. It's not a I have, movie. I have one thing I want to say about the Alfred thing. Just because it. he starts that scene, and... And I'm I'm expecting like, are you okay? Oh my goodness, you just got you lied to me. I'm like, oh, that's so wrong <laughs> and exactly what he would say. And then they talk yeah. a little bit, and then he holds Alfred's hand, you know. Yeah. And to me, that was just like so powerful that like, you know, Alfred's like, you know, you needed a father. Like I wasn't able to whatever, and like, you know, um, you know, your father was a good man. Blah blah blah. All this stuff is very heartfelt stuff, and then. You know, it's like they're there for each other, and, and that's powerful. Yeah. And then they and then they show the bat signal. Batman looks at it, and then Alfred looks at it, and then they cut. And I think if they didn't show Alfred looking at it too, it would have felt like Bruce was just abandoning him. But like because mm -hmm. Alfred saw it, it felt like there was this sort of like, okay, now go do your thing. You know, we had our moment. Yeah. Go do your thing. Like we've talked about how this feels inspired by so many different got so many different Batman properties. Yeah. I think the TV show Gotham is one it's definitely inspired by. Oh, for like, sure. We, this, this, um, we'll get to uh, Golfred, um, as I like to refer oh, to him, um, uh, and Andy Sackers, the actor who played Alfred. Gollum, um, Gollum. Yeah, exactly. But I think going back to what you're saying, for, I want to talk about the sulking thing, and then it kind of ties into the thing about Alfred. To me, one of the things that I hate most about a character who sulks is everyone else's pain. He has to remind them, no, but my pain is worse. Mm. And what I think what you see with that scene with Alfred, as well as with the scene with Catwoman that I mentioned before, this is a Batman who sulks and who is living in his own pain until he sees the pain of someone else. Mm -hmm. And he's willing to be like, okay, yes, your pain is also legitimate and I can hear that. Yeah. You know? And so like there, yeah, he is in that place of all I can think of is the fact that Alfred lied to me. I feel so betrayed. I don't understand anything. And so, all right, Alfred, I don't care that you almost died. I'm just waiting for you to wake up so I can yell at you. But then when Alfred comes back and talks about all the pain that he felt and how hard it was for him trying to be this person for Bruce, yeah, Bruce immediately is, like, able to connect with him and hold his hand. And so to me, that's so powerful. I also think it makes a nice point of, you know, what's the difference between the Riddler and Batman? I think it's Alfred. Mm. I think and, and this is again it's a very subtle point yeah. that maybe if this was a series could have gone more into or maybe it doesn't need to be but one of the things that Riddler talks about is how alone he was in the orphanage yeah. 
and Bruce went through something kind of similar to what uh, the Riddler went through, but he wasn't alone. He had Alfred. And I just thought that, like, I never really thought of it until the way you described that scene. But then I was like, oh, yeah, that's another, like, brilliant point the movie's making. For sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's, you know, when we did our first episode, I think, like our first or second episode, and we're talking about Batman. And I remember saying that I felt like, you know, Batman was an orphan, but also kind of wasn't. Right? Yeah. Like both of his parents were murdered in front of him. Hugely traumatic, terrible loss. But like he had Alfred to take care of him on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And he had all that money to take care of him on a financial level. You know? And yeah. in terms of like, you know, gender traditional roles or whatever, that's like kind of a mother and a father. Right? Like right. in terms of... With Alfred being the mother, to be clear. To be clear. Yeah, exactly. Father. You know? Um and obviously not that that's how things have to or should even work, right? But, you know, that's, that's... But the point being that he had someone to take care of him and he had... He was financially supported, right? And the Riddler, I think, really focused on the money. So the Riddler doesn't yeah. necessarily know much about Alfred, right? He knows a lot of things, but, like, he probably... Maybe he doesn't know that much about Alfred. He doesn't apparently know enough about Bruce Wayne, actually, to know that he is Batman, Right. Yeah. Like, it seems like he does, but then he doesn't. That's, oh, that scene was so brilliantly done. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. I was like, wait, is he going to have to die here? Because otherwise, how is not everybody going to know that he's... Oh, okay. He's... Yeah, yeah. He I, th- I, I thought Batman could have had a better poker face there, just speaking in a professional capacity, you know, tilting <laughs> his head down and averting his gaze. That that was a big tell. Riddler maybe should have figured it out there. But, uh, but you know, I think the audience needed that to be like, ooh, he feels nervous about this. He knows he's been out. Yeah. Wait, he hasn't? Interesting. But, yeah, having – I think having Alfred is more important than having the money. Obviously, yeah. money can do so much in terms of reducing, uh, you know, anyone's struggles in life, right? But I think – Having a person there who cares for you, you know, and Alfred says you needed a father. He didn't. He needed a person there for him and he had a person there for him. You know, it would have been great to have his dad. It would have been great to have his mom. But he had someone, a person who really cared for him, looked out for him, you know, taught him how to fight and like maybe taught him how to shave his balls. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) probably 20% off. Hero ethics. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it just, it, it just, I, yeah, I think Alfred's so important to Bruce and, and to Batman here, but they like, didn't, I felt like they didn't feel like they needed to overplay that, you know, mm-hmm. they were able to communicate in just like a few scenes with Alfred, show him as being really smart, you know, show him as being really important in his life. Um, and then instead of killing him off, they just blew him up a little bit so he could spend the rest of the episode in the, <laughs> the episode, um, the rest of the movie in the hospital. I will say I preferred this as a movie. If I had to see it in the theater, I might've felt differently. I really mm-hmm. just kind of don't feel like you should release three hour movies and expect people to sit through them in the theater. But in terms of a movie to be able to watch at home, um, I, I loved it. So, yeah, that's fair. And I'll say, I got so much more out of the Batman Riddler conversation in the jail than I did the first time. Because the first time I was like, can the movie just be over, right, please? Right, like, Yeah. So let's talk about the Riddler. Because I do think – I thought it was very interesting that they were going to start with the Riddler. Like, it, it seems now it's the thing. Like, you can't ever start with the Joker as the first movie. You know, start with Raj al Ghul, start with the, the Riddler, uh, start with some other characters. They started with the Joker and, the first time. True, true. So yeah. now um, they're like, 
Let's okay, do the yeah, Joker. So it's only like two instances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not that. I've heard this described as Batman 12, and I'm like, what Batman 12? And they're like, well, there's Batman v Superman. I'm like, I've never heard of such a movie. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> no, that about? Does, that does not count. That does not count. Um, but yeah, to me, like, I thought the Riddler, for a movie that is supposed to be about Batman the detective, mm. the Riddler is perfect. Perfect. And, and for both of them, because I, on the one hand, I feel like the Riddler is the best character to expose what a great detective Batman is. But also, unless you have Batman the detective, the Riddler makes no sense. Absolutely. And Val Kilmer was a little, like a teeny bit of a detective. Right. But really, part of why the Jim, the Jim Carrey character was just kind of the Joker, but with green instead, and no purple, right, right. you know? And a couple of like fun riddles instead of fun jokes. But, and they weren't very fun. <laughs> but here I felt like, yeah, the, the riddles were so good. Well, I think the riddles could have been a lot better, to be frank. But I, but I liked that part of the movie. I liked that it really helped show Batman. And I just thought making the Riddler like it was bit like I haven't seen the Saw movies, but I've seen enough of the ads and seen them talk mm, about it enough mm-hmm. to know this is pretty like the gruesomeness of it and the like right. maniacal the sadism of the character. This I think this is the darkest villain I have seen in a Batman movie, and that includes the Heath Ledger Joker. You know, yeah. in terms like Heath Ledger Joker was very dark, but to me, this is just a whole level of like almost like psychological horror movie level. Right. So, have you seen Let the Right One In or Let Me I In? Haven't. I have. No. Um, Matt Reeves directed the English language adaptation of Let the Right One In, which was a Swedish novel that then there was a Swedish movie. I've only seen the Swedish movie, um, but it is a. I guess psychological horror would be kind of the the genre, you know? And mm-hmm. when I heard that, I was like, oh, now I'm interested, you know, <laughs> to see how someone who did that is going to do this, you know? And mm-hmm. um, it, it feels like a great fit. I always said if I wrote a Batman script, it would be the Riddler, would be the villain. Yeah. Um, and I would spend a lot of time trying to come up with great riddles. <laughs> I thought the yeah. riddles here were better than Riddler's riddles usually are in most yeah. um, most of the animation and certainly like Batman 66 and all that stuff, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then they kind of alluded to other things like the, the cipher that we didn't really... I think get to really have a chance, you know, we had no shots on goal on that, you know, some of them I'm like, Oh, this is the answer. This is the answer. And then, you know, um, but it, it, you know, I, I think yes, Riddler is the perfect villain for a Batman who is, you know, my Batman, who's a detective. And then also this Riddler, I feel like he's the first serial killer, like real, just like serial killer villain we've had in any of the Batmans. Am I off? I mean, there's obviously technically a lot of the villains kill a lot of people and that is technically a serial killer, but usually it is not in like a, I'm going to kill one person and then another person and another person. Yeah. To me, he's a mass murderer. He, most of them are mass murderers. Right. They're not serial killers. Yes. And, and yeah, and that, and that like each one, there's kind of a sadistic way that he kills them. Although I do appreciate that the movie was, I can't watch the Saw movies mm. because of the level of gore. Right. You know, and like he and here, like my understanding is in the Saw movies, you would see the rats eating the face. You would right, see right, right. the head flying across yeah. the, the room. Here, 
the camera turned away from those. Mo- it, it, I mean, the rats, you knew exactly what the rats yeah. were doing and it was horrifying, yeah. but they didn't show you the gore, which I think actually makes it more horrifying. It makes it more horror and less gore, right? Like, yes, exactly. Um, and less, more psychological. It's your, your yeah. brain is picturing what's happening off screen, pictures what's happened. Uh, there was a lot of, it's not tell, don't show though, because they're showing some stuff, but it's like a lot of things are implied. I thought Annika's death being like you just see her her face briefly dead right Mm -hmm. but then hearing her get murdered i thought was so much more powerful it it was was. very upsetting you know but like you know i i feel like i don't really need to see another woman get strangled to death on screen you know like Mm -hmm. and then when that like played into then the the cat woman getting you know or or selena um when you know her father is attempting to murder her but like that that did that choice you know to be like we're not going to show yeah. this because it's like we're going to show this by you're going to hear it and picture it and you're going to see selena witnessing it even though she wasn't there right and you're going to see batman witnessing it and like mm-hmm. you're definitely gonna feel like, oh, I I want to kick that guy off the ledge. Like I definitely, you know, could could yeah. get behind just shooting Falcone in the face, right? But it's like, but is that the way to go? You know, it's like it's it's understandable. One can empathize. Yeah. It's a choice I have mixed feelings about because I, I I have heard from a number of women creators who who still found it was like gratuitous, really painful. And I I'm not a woman. I don't have that experience, and I 100 percent wanna wanna honor that. Mm-hmm. I've also heard from a number of creators uh, of all genders, but especially women who talked about, yeah, that it was much better to, to hear it, not see it. And seeing especially Selena becoming kind of enraged about it was a nice kind of power balance of you're hearing a woman being, you know, these horrible things being done to her without her having power while also seeing this very powerful woman like wanting to react to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought that was good. It, it, so I, I really I thought that was a really interesting choice that I, I really enjoyed the way you not enjoyed right you know, appreciated really the yeah. choice it added just back to the Riddler though the other thing I thought that was so inspired about the Riddler and you're right made the whole third act so important was this idea that the Riddler thought that him and Batman were teaming up right and especially because to me, I mean a it was just so well done and. You know, I, I hope that we are now at an age where superhero movies can be considered just like any other movie in terms of uh, nominations. And granted, all nominations are silly, and I want pretty much nothing to do with the Oscars yeah. after the incredibly weight racist and misogynistic ways they've been treating Will Smith. Um, if you want the what I mean by misogyny, check out some black uh, um, black women creators who've been talking about this and like all the black noir. Uh, massage noir that's happening in the whole situation and not understanding why will smith did what he did putting all that aside um paul dano's acting performance was just so good as was where i was going with the whole oscar nomination thing and and yes the movie was riddled with good performances exactly exactly um and we should get sponsorship by some riddle shop (laughs) but uh so I, i i his performance was so good and just for me, it raises this really interesting ethical question that I and because here, like I thought, this movie did a great job wrestling with all the questions we've talked about before, but with the Riddler also raised a complete 
not a completely new question. Uh, Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight dealt with it a little bit, but here I thought it was so much more in your face, which is if Batman is being publicly seen breaking the law in order to punish the people that he thinks should be punished for the sake of vengeance slash justice, because at this point in time, he is much more on the side of vengeance. Someone like the Riddler comes along and goes, yeah, Batman has a good idea. I want to help Batman. I want to do what Batman is doing. And he crosses the line that Batman won't cross in part because I think the most of the world probably doesn't realize that Batman isn't crossing the line. Right, yeah, yeah, they don't know what he's doing. And to me, so it raises this question of, is on some level Batman responsible for this? Like, if, if you are publicly seen being a vigilante and you're probably, like, and the cops are kind of letting you get away with it, like, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility to go along, but, like, to me, the Riddler thinking that he was teaming up with Batman... To some extent, it's the whole, like, psychosocial relationship where you think you're having a relationship with someone you see a lot on social media or whatever. That is is totally another part of it that's fascinating. But just the, like, him thinking that Batman would approve of what he's doing, to me, is not out of left field and raises some really interesting questions. I'm kind of curious what your thought on that was. Yeah, I'm going to vote not responsible, but, Mm -hmm. you know, in the way that, like, okay, you know, actions have consequences, but, like, when they have totally unintended consequences that aren't, you know, it's like someone being inspired by something. Like, I just, I don't, I think that's something that's going on in their brain. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really like spreading out like the blame there or like, you know, um, basically because something might not have happened if someone didn't do something, I don't think that makes it their responsibility, but I do think that, like, yeah, it does seem like, you know, understandable that somebody might sort of get to that point, you know. Right. And, um, I mean, you know, the the cops – and maybe that's, like, one of the arguments against, like, openly allowing a vigilante to, you know, like, work with you if you're the cops. Is yeah. that then other vigilantes will be like, oh, but we were just doing what, you know, like, you know – and what what was that group uh, the guardian angels in new york oh, yeah. city yeah like they were vigilantes and they were pretty horrible and like the the leader curse Silwa, Sliwa. Sliwa, i think his name yeah. is pronounced like when he ran for office he was pretty hardcore right wing mm-hmm. on a lot of things and you know if i had found out that the nypd was letting these folks like into crime scenes and letting them like interrogate witnesses using all sorts of techniques that the cops are not supposed to use like not that I'm rushing to the fence of the NYPD under any circumstances, huh. but yeah, I would I would not love that. Right, right. I will say that I, you know, grew up in Times not in Times Square, but like right next to it, and like I did probably feel safer with the Guardian Angels around. The Guardian Angels, yeah, yeah, that's what they're called, right? Yeah, I think they're called yeah. yeah. And like, um, you know, <laughs> I felt more comfortable with them around than cops around. But that's fair. You know, that's and, really but fair. yeah, I mean, a lot of. You know, it, this whole, like, crime-fighting thing, you know, I mean, they, they brag about the biggest drug bust and whatever, and I think, you know, some of the sort of social commentary of the movie is, like, you know, maybe drug busts don't really do anything, right? Yeah. Maybe that's, like, not the way to go about things. Um, you know, Batman, as police consultant, it is like, well, you know, is crime-fighting the way to go about changing things? 
right? Yeah. And and I, I feel like this movie kind of, it doesn't take a stance on that, but it kind of raises those questions and sort of lets the audience, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of percolate with the audience. And um, I, I think it does. I want to discuss that because sure. I think I have a little bit different take. Okay. But just to go back to the Riddler thing, I think I agree with you that he's not directly responsible. Like, I don't yeah. think anyone should you know, bring charges of criminal negligence against Batman for the murder of these people. Like, the family shouldn't sue him. I guess to me it's more a question of, you know, when you ask the question of, is a vigilante, you know, ethically justified or, like, morally acceptable or, like, whatever language you want to use to get to the question of, like, can a person be a hero while they're breaking the law to be a vigilante? You know, I think part of what you have to do is look at, like, what are the positives that come out of it and what are the negatives? And I guess to me what the movie reminded me of is that one of the potential negatives is the idea that other people are going to also want to take the law into their own hands for their own ideas of what is justice. And that part of why we're okay with Batman doing it is because he has this moral code. Mm -hmm. And when others – so there's a question of like if you're doing it without much – but you're inspiring others to do it without a moral code – yeah, I, I guess to me that it becomes part of the equation, you know, and it doesn't mean that I think now Batman is on the other side of the line and like he shouldn't be doing Batman things. But it, if there's a sequel to this movie, there is, I would kind of want they're going to make. Yeah, three. I'm sure there's going to be. <clears throat> OK, three. Yeah, makes sense. Trilogies always. Yeah. I would love to see a little bit of Batman trying since he knows he's a public figure, like trying to kind of let people know a little bit more about the code that he has in some way or like some something to. Having some recognition that his act that that Riddler's actions would probably not have happened without Batman, and that that he doesn't want that to happen again. Yeah, I would say might not have happened without Batman because someone can say, "Oh, you inspired mm-hmm. me." That doesn't mean they necessarily weren't yeah. going to do the same thing. But yeah, no, I, I I think you make a lot of good points. Um, I started to laugh because when you said that Batman makes this clear. I was picturing those PSAs in Homecoming that Captain America does. And I was picturing <laughs> oh, I Batman that. doing those. And woo. Uh, yeah. So you're thinking about beating up bad people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Isn't, isn't he a, you know, fugitive, national fugitive? Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, I, 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 I forget the other points I wanted to respond to. But I thought there were a lot of good ones. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, in terms of like vigilantism like taking the law into one's own hands like i don't know i guess i always have to just come back to the point that i don't care about the law i don't really care about moral codes either i just think people do things and either those are things that i think are good things to do i agree with them or the things i think are bad things to do a lot of what batman does i'm like yeah that's a good thing to do why don't you go do that and a lot of the things riddler did pretty much all the things riddler did I was like, yeah, that's not such a good thing. You know, like, he had all this information. He could have made all this information public. Yeah. And, like, on a on a national level, right? Like, right. go to go to major news station. Like, he had proof. He had evidence of a lot of things. I think. I mean... I mean, he... He does have some evidence about what happens when people take the journalistic route to try to expose these stories. That's like, true. But that was a journalist who a, wanted to expose it himself. Right. You know, like, I'm just saying murder shouldn't be your first solution. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I think that's very fair. And I think this is a larger issue, but it's also kind of the underlying theme of like this entire podcast. So I want to at least comment on it. 
to be clear, it's not that I think like law equals good and breaking law equals yeah. bad. It's more that I think like for me, a fundamental rule of a society is that there are limitations on on the use of violence, mm-hmm. and that to some extent there are like socially prescribed ideas about who gets to use violence under what circumstances, and in our own society, as in probably most societies, but especially in our own society. I think those laws are pretty dumb right now, and I think the wrong people are getting to use it and are using it in all sorts of terrible ways. But I still think, to me, when a character says, I am going to make my own decisions about when to use violence, I, my ethical hackles get raised. Mm, you know, I'm sure. sort of like, eh, you're going to have to prove to me that, that, that I can be okay with that. And, and, and to me, the idea of the code is, is – the code isn't perfect. I think we've talked a lot of times where codes can be too rigid. Mm-hmm. And like certainly I think I'm on record as saying like don't murder should should is a is a much more understandable code than don't kill, especially when you're using violence that can be lethal. For sure. Which by the way, I thought this move I think the potential deaths caused by Batman in this movie are lower than in any other Batman movie I've seen. It felt like they tried really hard, and I know Pattinson actually said he wanted to highlight te- like that the technology that Batman was using were non-lethal. Right. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. Yeah, and that's another reason that like maybe you could have done without the chase scene. Yeah. Because that was like the one Since... thing that was like, mm, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. But like, yeah, no, totally. I mean, he had some some things that were supposed to stun people. He was. You know, he he was catching people with the the hook, you know, the grappling thing. Um, it mm-hmm. did seem like there was a very big effort. I also know that Pattinson had a lot of input in the costume design, and mm. it's the most flexible bat suit that they've used in any of the movies. And you could really yeah. tell, like he could really move in it. And I think, and or whoever the stunt double <clears throat> was in a particular thing could really move in it. And he asked Christian Bale, "Do you have any advice?" And Bale was like, "Ah, make sure that you can." Uh, Relieve yourself yeah. in the middle of the day, you know? <laughs> like, and just, I mean, like, like I said, like, I mean, they showed Pattinson without his shirt on a lot. And I think a lot of fans, myself included, were not complaining about that. They basically showed but his back. At, yeah. And, and there's a couple scenes where, he, like, from the front oh, as well. Okay. He's in good shape, but, like, compared to Batfleck, like, right. Batfleck looked like he could, like, you know, compete as a muscle builder. This and Christian Bale, like Chris, Christian Bale, was much more like muscled. This, right. this looks like a guy. This looks like a person who's lean. You know, he, which I really liked as a different version of Batman. He looks more like a martial artist to me, not yeah, like a weightlifter. I think it's very fair. You know, yeah, not like a puncher. No, a right, puncher. Well, so a get... martial artist can be a puncher. No, yeah, not a, a not a weightlifter. Like yeah. literally, he didn't look like he had a bunch of show muscles. Which is usually yeah. what they do when they get these people in shape. They get them to try and build up these show muscles, right? And then right. they have them emaciate themselves so that their skin is tighter to the muscle. And then they oil them up and that's how they have them look. But like here, it, yeah. it looks like, oh, that's a person who engages in regular physical activity of a violent nature. And he's got more practical muscles than like, oh, I've got big biceps. Like, yeah, I guess for grappling, yeah. that's useful, but... I, I think that's true, but I also just think he has a thin build. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's for sure. like not so, he's not someone who like just look like he's never going to be someone who would be an effective. Ba- he'd probably be a very effective bouncer as actually getting people out of the club, but not as the deterrent. You know, right, right, right. Um, yeah, but I mean, like he could have put on another twenty, thirty pounds of muscle, but like it was it's just unnecessary. Sure. Yeah. So let's get to the other kind of I think big ethical question that this movie deals with that I think we've talked about a lot that people a lot of folks have wanted Batman to talk about more and I certainly am one of them 
that I feel like this movie really does take on front and center. Is, and as you said, and I think I may think it's more of an answer to it, but it's this idea of like, if you're super rich, is a better way to fight crime by beating up poor people who are doing crime. It's an exaggeration, obviously, to some extent, or to use your money for like philanthropic philanthropic causes and like trying to like make the world better. And I think it's, it's so interesting because on the one hand, like the mayor directly calls Bruce Wayne out, mm-hmm. like not uh, the person who becomes mayor, uh, Bella Real, and says like, you know, you could be using your money to do so much more. And like, again, in the terms of like this movie being a part of the discussion about Batman, to me, that storyline is very much in part inspired by that critique of Batman. Right. Of like, why doesn't he use his money for these things? But also, we find out that Thomas Wayne tried to do yeah. that, and it was a complete failure. Yeah. And and so I, I kind of love that. I love that it's raising the question, but also saying, but also rich people throwing money at causes actually doesn't generally do a lot of good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought that was a really nice um, sort of inclusion and and kind of subtlety to the story. Is just like, yeah, we're we're gonna talk about like you know you could do more of this, but like it's not necessarily just automatically gonna work, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe funding an orphanage or, or something, or there's maybe very specific things you can do that can be very helpful. But you know, yeah. ultimately, it's like, well, or you could like raise taxes and you know, like just just requisition that money. Although maybe then all the billionaires move out of Gotham. I don't know, but like maybe not. <laughs> um, but it's tax the rich. <laughs> anyway, go on. Yeah, it, it's just it's um, it, I I feel like things just aren't easily solved, right? And I think there's a lot of, people talk a lot about like the difference between individuals doing things and like like the problems of individual people doing bad things or whatever and the Mm -hmm. problems of systems, right? Right. And to me, it's a little bit of a forest or the trees kind of thing where people Mm -hmm. often say like, don't miss the forest for the trees, but like I like to say, don't miss the forest or the trees because they both exist, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you don't get bad systems without people doing bad things, right? right? Those systems were built by people. They are maintained by people. They are propagated by people. And they're allowed to exist because people allow them to exist. Um, and each person individually acting is not the cause of the system continuing, but people collectively not taking action to change those systems and people individually doing bad things within those systems, like that is a lot of what, what goes wrong. Right. So it's like, it's, it's a duality. It's both. And so, you know, I think you have to try and do something about the people acting maliciously, um, the people who are corrupt within those systems, but you also have to do something about the system itself. And that's just right. really hard. And it's like probably one person, no matter how rich and no matter how badass, like they probably can't do it by themselves. And I'm really curious to see where they go with this new mayor in the future ones. Oh, yeah. You know? I, 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 where they go with the mayor and especially where they go with Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Because I do think, like you mentioned this, you know, in almost every version of Batman that I've seen, even if we don't hear about anything else Batman does with his money – at least Batman helps pay to run the orphanage and make the orphanage run really well. Right. And to me, the fact that the Riddler is a product of the orphanage itself being so horrible, an orphanage that's on like old Wayne uh, Manor land, yeah. was a very intentional, like, oh, yeah. this Bruce Wayne is doing less 
than the normal Bruce Wayne does. Right. Um, which I thought was again, it's just such a subtle detail, but so it it tells that story so well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see where that goes. And I feel like this, I I do feel like this movie is gonna address more of that than I think we know the, the next. Movie the next one, yeah, series. I agree. Like I, I keep holding this up to me. The movie that I think has best addressed this question is V for Vendetta mm, because yeah. the, the kind of the idea of it is that like you've got these bad people, but you've also got this broken system that the bad people built, but killing the bad people won't fix the system. And so V's response is like, I want to inspire everyone else to fix the system. Yeah. And now I'm going to go kill the people who caused the bad. Right, system. right, right. And I can't be, because I'm doing that. I can't be part of the new thing. Yeah. And like, in some extent, I think that's kind of what Dark Knight is trying to do with, like, what is Bruce's role versus what is Harvey, um, Harvey Dent's yeah. role. But there it's just talking about crime. It's not talking about the poverty, yes. the, all the economic factors that lead to everything yeah. else. So. There was a great Alfred line here. This was one of my favorite parts of the movie um, where it's that scene where Bruce visits Alfred in the hospital and is like, you lied to me. And then he's like, you know so Maroney killed my parents and and Alfred's like no Falcone killed your parents maybe or maybe it was yeah. just someone um where is it it's such a good line who needed money got scared and pulled the trigger too fast you know and so there's that like pain of not knowing like why they died who killed them was it you know, because of corruption? Was was it because of, you know, the aspirations or the, the fears of getting exposed of a gangster? Or was it just somebody who was desperate, you know, and just wanted yeah. money and, and just, you know, shot them because just gun went off, you know? And I think in a way that's so telling, Batman never says a word to Falcone. In other versions, it's Falcone. Yeah. So I have to keep remembering it's Falcone in this. Yeah, Falcone. Um, like, I think it's, you know. Yeah, it... it but Batman never says a word to him about, I know that you killed my parents or anything like that. Right. Like in some ways I kind of feel like what Batman realizes is Falcone is terrible for the city and is at the root of many mm-hmm. of the problems. And maybe he actually got Thomas and Martha Wayne killed, or maybe he just helped build this system in which people are so poor and yet also have access to all these guns and think that shooting people on the street to get money is, is the way to go. Either way, he's like, I don't know if you're directly responsible for my parents' death, but you're responsible for the like kill the on the approaching Im- death of my city, yeah. and so I want to take you down. Mm-hmm. And and I want to like bring you in so you can testify or so things can be brought to light. And then oh no, right. I brought you into light. My bad. Because then he yeah. got shot. Because the Riddler said bring yeah. him into light. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which again is one of those moments where you're like. If this was a fully formed Batman, I'd be so mad at that because right. one of the reasons why I hate the movie that dare not speak its name yeah. is because um, Lex Luthor outsmarts Batman. This and that's aged, experienced, wise Batman. Right. And Alfred together. Yeah, right. Um, this one I, I get. And like to me, I think we may have Batman go even deeper into the detective stuff and be like, yeah, Riddler was right. Why didn't I figure all that stuff out beforehand? You know? So that'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I really hope that we continue to see more growth because I felt like we saw a lot of growth here. And I don't I don't need that growth to be like, oh, should I keep being a superhero or not? Or like, I feel like he learned some things here that I hope will stick and won't get yeah. reexamined. But I think there can still yeah. be, there can be depth and growth and sort of further maturity 
Yeah, he's got a lot more to learn. Right. I think that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I don't want him to keep repeating the same old lesson. For sure. Um, we've got a lot longer than well, not that I, th- I knew we were going to go a long time, but we're we're approaching almost the like hour and a half. Getting we'll probably be two hours mark. So I don't want to go too much deeper, just because we talked about the character. Um, I don't know if there's too much to say from an ethical standpoint, but I just have to say, John Turturro as a mobster is just. At first, I was like John. Oh my God, no! He's he's born to play this role. He, yeah, he was so. It, it's a different take on a mob boss, but he was so good at it. So good. I, yeah, I don't have that much to say. I mean, Falcone's a really bad dude in this. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, out of all the people, he seems the one who's just the most willfully. You know, I mean, he's the he's the mastermind villain behind everything. Yeah. Who then gets murdered by the other mastermind villain who's behind everything else, <laughs> who's basically, you know, Kevin Spacey's character in Seven. Um, right. Which I think this movie did deliberately draw some from Seven. But yeah, John Turturro, he's just one of the best actors ever. And mm-hmm. I've seen him. I feel like every time I see him, he's John Turturro. But he's also so different at the same time. Like, I feel like he changes so mm-hmm. much without changing like a, I don't understand yeah. you know because there's some like Colin Farrell was allegedly also in this movie um, I did not see Colin Farrell I guess I heard his voice but I, I saw a character named the penguin and who's 1000% my penguin right, now I mean he was forward. fantastic but like I didn't feel I felt like Colin Farrell disappeared into that role right here yeah. John Turturro doesn't disappear into this role but somehow somehow I feel like he's got a little bit of a shtick but his shtick plays so differently in different yeah. circumstances. You were talking about why hasn't he been cast as a gangster more? And I think he was in The Sicilian, but that's like 1987 movie that, you know, is one of Mario Puso's less popular or mm-hmm. less well-known things. But And he was in Miller's Crossing. He played a, a bookie and a very pivotal character in that, which is, to me, peak Coen brothers. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he really hasn't played a lot of gangsters. And he's just so good. Like the scene, it's funny because in both this and Batman Begins, there's a scene between Bruce and Falcone. And the scene in Batman Begins is fun, but the character is such an ass and is so condescending to Bruce. Here, he really feels like the crusty uncle who's going to tell you the way the world really is. And you know he walks on the wrong side of the tracks, but he's got some wisdom for you that your parents are never going to tell you. Yeah. And his whole scene with with Bruce, I 1,000% bought why Bruce believes him hook, line, and sinker. Absolutely. And he does a great job of, like, mixing truth, but also being like, I'm going to really paint the blame for your parents' death on this other guy. Yeah. It's it, it, like, it such a well-done scene. Yeah. He's like, do I know for certain? And he's like, it just looks that way to me. You know, and like, so he's yeah. not even claiming to know for sure. But he's like, hey, this is what happened. You know, I mean, you put the dots together. You know, I think right. that's often a more effective way of convincing someone of something is to kind of like lead them to it to make their own conclusion. But like, yeah, right. yeah, I thought that was that was very powerful. I, yeah. I want to just say you mentioned V for Vendetta earlier. Which I think, when I think about it, I'm like, that, I mean, that's definitely one of the best comic book movies ever made, right? Adaptations from a comic book. Um, And there are very strong parallels between that and this, I think. Did you notice what day this ended on? So the last scene was it's November 6th. That's the morning after. 
So, you know, remember, uh, remember the 5th of November. Rid- oh Riddler my God. did. Riddler remembered, remembered the 5th of November. That's so, oh, I never figured, I, I never put that together. feel that has to be intentional. That but can't be a It can't be a coincidence, but they never, they never told you that. It's cut. just there. Such a deep cut. And I feel like this movie was really full of those. On the second viewing, there were so many things that I noticed. The first time I was like, wait, November 6th. I mean, I was like, oh, but like, there's so many little things. And I think, I think there's just probably so much more like, if I like, view, oh, yeah. I, and this is, I mean, I don't know. It's a three hour movie. I think I'm going to see several times. You know? Yeah, I think that's true. I think I will. I'm gonna fast forward through the fights. Like sure, it's funny sure. because I think I think this movie really wanted to not be a movie about car chases and fight yeah. scenes, and it may be because Matt Reeves isn't very good at directing them. Because like I just thought the the fighting scene, the fight scene in the I want to call it Madison Square Gardens. It looked exactly like Madison Square. Gardens. I'm gonna call it the Superdome because they were hiding from flooding. After the levees, I mean, broke. also fair, but yeah, but it was fair. called Gotham but, Square Center. So. Yeah, I I thought that was such a dumb fight scene. Um, but again, it accomplished some needed things, you know, especially in him wanting to be a hero instead right. of the the thing. But anyway, so let's talk about the last kind of. There's a number of characters we're kind of skipping past. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked at all about. We talked somewhat about Catwoman and her kind of motivations, but because it's so tied into Falcone, let's talk about the Waynes. Uh, mm. And it is mostly Thomas Wayne, unfortunately. Again, Martha is is the indirect object instead of the the subject. Right. Yeah. Um, like this is a generally it's Thomas Wayne is a hero, or Thomas Wayne was maybe a little bit naive. I've never seen Thomas Wayne be kind of a bad guy before. And, and again, you didn't not watch like, that much Pennyworth, did you? <laughs> well, no, I did not watch that watch that much Pennyworth. Uh, Pennyworth came out recently enough, though, that I don't think Matt Reeves watched any Pennyworth. But right, I mean, there, there are. I'm sure there are comic lines, right? But yes. yeah, here. Well, here's the thing. I mean, was Thomas Wayne a bad guy, or is he a guy who was trying to do a lot of good things and then did something bad? Yeah, you know, I mean, he I... he wanted to give a billion dollars to you know the Riddler's interpretation is, oh, he did this, and then all this bad stuff happened, right? By the way. That reporter, like, do you think that reporter who got murdered had a son? Is it just me? Oh, the... oh, yeah. I think that's definitely a possibility. I mean, I thought that maybe they were going to go there, but then I was like, maybe not. Maybe that's not it. But like, I, I kind of felt like that was it. But, um, mm-hmm. but that, and maybe that'll come out later. Maybe it won't. But like, you know, he, he really should have known Falcone was just gonna kill him, right? Like, you don't ask a mobster to just back someone off. Like, I mean, come on. Like, are you really It's like, that you know, naive? won't someone rid me of this meddlesome journalist thing? Right, you exactly. Know? You know, but, um, you know, but he was also, he, you know, so he was this kind of complicated character here, I think. You know, yeah. somebody who wanted to do a lot of good, but then felt like in, in, in Alfred's view, it was because he wanted to protect Martha. Who in this is Martha Arkham. Not Martha Kane. By the way, Pennyworth right. is the only thing I think I've ever seen where Martha's like a serious character. Um, and that's that's, nice. that's one of the best things about it. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe we'll discuss that at some point. We'll get into spoilers there. But I guess her appearance right. is a spoiler, but it's not that big of a spoiler. But like, um, but yeah, it just, yeah, the, 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 I thought it was very interesting the way they dealt with Thomas Wayne and had that be a little complicated. Um, I love, he, he's definitely, 
Yeah. He's not the sort of morally pure character that he's often presented. Exactly. As. Granted, it's granted like it's that. often Bruce's memory. Right. And like Rajal Ghul attacks him, but there actually just kind of makes him look look even better. Here's the thing, though, and bad guy is the wrong term, but a character who really wants to do good and gets into trouble trying to do good and has to keep going a little bit darker mm-hmm. and a little bit darker and a little bit darker till he's maybe intentionally, maybe not intentionally getting people killed. Right. That sounds like a person who fit in very well in Batman's Rogue Gallery. Yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. He, and again, because he's not a bad guy. Yeah. But that's the kind of person who Batman often goes up against. Yeah, absolutely. So, I have to imagine the second movie is in part... I don't think we're done with the Wayne. I don't either. Know? Or the Arkhams. Yeah. So uh, Yeah. We're, we're clearly getting Joker. I don't think there's any way that that wasn't Joker. Oh, 100% that was movie. Joker. Yeah. 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 In, or no, not the very end of the movie because we have the long motorcycle ride to anywhere. Um, I'm still bitter about that I, scene. I love that <laughs> scene. I don't know. But yeah, it is. I can see, you know, if you've been sitting in a theater for three hours almost <laughs> plus yeah. after previews, like... Yeah, you know, your bladder's like, what is this scene for? What is the purpose of this? <laughs> I honestly, I loved just the way it was shot. Like, there's so many things about the way it was shot that, you know, when he peels off and he's looking down, and I'm like, he's looking in the rearview mirror, isn't he? And then they show the shot in the rearview mirror yeah. where you see her driving off, then they cut back to him, and I'm like, and scene. <laughs> like, oh, that was brilliant. But to me, it could be they both get on their bikes. Yeah. You see them come up to the the intersection, go in different directions. You see the rear view scene. Right, Instead, right, right. it was like 20 seconds of them going through the graveyard that just – anyway. Yeah. That's, that's to me, thing. it's just this was a very cinematic movie in my opinion. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, you referenced Dune earlier. I don't know whether that was deliberate or not. If I feel like we mentioned this or, or not. I mean when yeah, we because talking. I feel like uh, – I was using Dune as another example of a movie that I think is – incredibly well done version of a style I don't like. Right. Cinema- yeah, I think it's also very cinematic in a way that I just, I'm not fond it's of. It's the same cinematographer. Ha, Greg or Greg sense. Fraser. Um, I'm not sure how that it's makes pronounced. Total sense. But yeah. Um, who who actually said for this movie, and, and by the way, Dune, I absolutely loved the production of it. I just don't like the story, unfortunately. But if it was a story yeah. I loved, I would have just loved the movie. The music and the... Uh, and the music here, I also thought was fantastic. It was very evocative of both the Imperial March and really was. and Dexter. There was a part that was like very Dexterish. Um, I just thought the and like the music was like powerful but not overpowering. That's honestly that's that's why I put this above the Dark Knight in terms of movie making. Like just as a like this is a piece of art. Like the Dark Knight, it just. The music was so loud and the dialogue yeah. was like inaudible <laughs> at times. And like here, I didn't have to adjust the volume or anything during fight scenes or whatever. It's like everything, the sound mixing was like so much better to me. But, um, but yeah, the cinematography, he, he was um, talking about uh, inspiration was um, largely Gordon Willis, who's, um, who was my, my father's favorite um, cinematographer my father was a, a camera op- operator and and you know wanted to be a, a cinematographer um but then died when he was 41 but um but so yeah i mean i think cinematography always like resonates with me in a, kind yeah. of like in an See extra it. way you know like not just in like enjoying the visualness about it but like sort of kind of appreciating the you know the connection and yeah. i will give my my oscar rant now also i thought this was fantastically edited it was edited by william hoy and tyler nelson but 
the my my rant against the Oscars is I would have boycotted it this year if I wasn't already boycotting it from like decades ago because I just hate it and think it's awful. But like they got rid of editing. Like they don't put editing in the main I'm like, you know what? The editors of the live broadcast should have just edited out the rest of it. I don't know. <laughs> they should have been like, oh, you're gonna get rid of editing, huh? Really? All right. Like- I did an episode with Ashley Coffin and some wonderful guests that she helped recruit on Jaws. Oh, yeah. And we talked about how the editing were 100%. And, like, yeah. they now te- – I forget the name of that editor, but, like, they teach classes on how she edited Jaws because it, like, set – it defined so much of how movies were edited for the next 50 years. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I think, I think I think at that point we're just down I'm, – I'm guessing that for both of us – Dark Knight and this movie are are one and two. Eh, for, for me, I before this conversation, I would have put this. I'm movie selling you on it. Verna Fields, by the way. Verna Fields, thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm getting it closer up there, but to me, I I feel like this movie and Dark Knight are very similar mm-hmm. in that they are much more interested in character than they are in toys. Yes, and the best parts of both movies, I think, are often the conversations. Like in some ways, both movies could work as plays oh yeah like yeah you can take away all the like just you could have it as just a play on a stage yeah and so i think it's very interesting that we both love both of those well yeah I'm just <laughs> love this movie. i especially because now i can fast forward to the parts i don't like right 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 um, yeah yeah and i think it's yeah i think it really comes down to at the end just artistic vision like i just i mm-hmm. i definitely agree that dark knight had more technical problems this made technical choices that I think Dark Knight, I think, failed to execute on some things technically. Right. I think this movie perfectly executed what it wanted. It just wasn't what I would have wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes tons of sense. I, th- I think the whole kind of like cinematic, like having certain types of scenes, like just doesn't work as well with modern audiences. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if 10 or 20 years ago you saw this movie and felt somewhat different. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you would have liked it less because different other things. Who knows? But like, I do think over the last 30 years or so, 30, 40, like it really started kind of like with MTV and music videos and stuff. But like Mm -hmm. audiences, I think, have been trained to have shorter and shorter attention spans. And there's this idea that these kind of quick cut things are like better. And it's like it has a certain effect on the brain, I think. But like, and that's not not me telling anyone is wrong for liking what they do. It's just like, I mean, personally, I know my attention span has decreased by having so many things like like social media and stuff and such instant yeah. access to things. And when when you're fed, you know, I made a 15 second video the other day. I spent two hours on it. It was ridiculous. But like, <laughs> you know, when you're fed these one minute videos, it's like, oh, how am I going to watch a five minute video? That's like forever. Oh, yeah. You know, I could yeah, watch three minute TikToks be like forever. Right. Exactly. Here, here's the only pushback I'll give, and this sure. is a much larger discussion to have at a later time, okay. but we're both – for those who are wondering at home, um, we are about 17 minutes until the next episode of Moonlight oh, yeah. Air, Moonlight Moon Airs, yeah, so Paul and I are kind of just killing time until then. <laughs> but we're going to wrap this up soon because I need to get some food before then. But I want – I my first response is to get very defensive and give the comments I'm about to make. And so I'll first say I think you're entirely right that it probably is that um, – my attention span has been lowered, and the re- like. There's a lot of the older movies that have a much slower style that I really enjoy, such as Star Wars, such as like Casablanca, and maybe it's in part because I watched those beforehand. 
the pushback I would give is that to me, I think I can quite enjoy a cinematic movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think cinematic and three hours works right. well together, mm-hmm. or two and a half hours yeah. that Dune is. The other side, though, is that for me, I think the other big complaint, part of why I keep saying that I think this mo- this movie would have been even better as an eight episode series is there is so much that I wanted more of. I wanted more of Batman and Alfred. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of Falcone. I wanted more of how the Riddler decides to go from being a serial killer to a mass murderer. Right, right. really, that's the... I wanted more of his communications with those other people. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when there's a whole bunch of things that I wish the movie was doing long ponderous shots of the kid who Batman relates to bother me more. Cause I'm like, you could be spending this time doing something. <laughs> right. Else. Right. Fair. Um, so I, I, I but now I'm going to pay more attention. I'm going to try to find like, is there a movie that has more of the cinema? Like, actually, you know, I'll give you one. Um, we talked about uh, uh, Scandinavian films more um, Midsommar, which is oh, yeah. a Norwegian, I believe not a Swedish movie. It's very cinematic. It took me a while to figure out if I liked it because it just was such a, like makes you think movie. But like both it and Parasite both have this style, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed both of those movies. Right, but they're a little um, shorter, so right? They're not three hours. They're a little shorter, and I feel yeah. like they're very compact in ter- it. The, they're very compact in terms of the story and the characters, and you don't walk away feeling like you needed a lot more of any of them. Right. So that that I think those are circumstances under which it's a lot harder for me to enjoy cinematic movies. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I probably don't like them as much because of how the MCU and other movies have have trained me out of it, and that's a fair critique. Cool. <laughs> cool. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, try and like change your mind, right? It's like, I, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, it's like we see things and, and we like what we like. I, I was not expecting to love a three hour movie. I was, I was really not like, I was like, okay. I was so, it, it's so interesting because I, I just love talking about these things with you, both on the podcast and off. But I remember when, when Mary, my spouse knows Paul somewhat well, heard a lot about him from me as well, but also you, you two have met a couple of times yeah. and spent, uh, we made dinner together and things like that. Um, where it was very was important that we acknowledge that we both acknowledge that pizza can be made with vegan cheese, <laughs> but still no pineapple. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not. With the, we we had habanero pepper, peppers instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They, you know, they're, they're orange, um, same color. But yeah, we were like, is Paul gonna like this movie? Because <laughs> I could have seen so many reasons yeah. why you'd love it and so many reasons why you'd hate it. So yeah, I'm I'm really glad you came around. I think this was a great discussion, and it, to me. I am now so glad we did this whole Batman project because I feel like in doing all these movies, it really helped us kind of create a framework with which we could discuss this movie. And I think I really enjoyed it all the more because of it. Yeah, me too. I feel like I have so much more perspective on the various Batmans and what I love about them and what I felt like was missing from live action. And like, Mm -hmm. they gave it to me. I was like, give me a Batman who does this, this and this blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, three-hour movie. I'm like, oh, they 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 gave me my Batman. Cool, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> um, you know, it, I thought it was going to be more like the Long Halloween, which I still um, encourage people to watch if if you can stand animation. Um, it's two movies, which maybe okay. it's it's like two hour and a half movies, I think. So it's basically a three-hour movie, but it's two separate animated movies. Maybe there are seventy-five minutes. I don't know. I think yeah yeah okay hour, I thought you said two two and a half hours oh like no five hour movie oh but no yeah, yeah. No, it's no, basically yeah. like two two and a half to three hours total um it's they're available can I call on the HBO shorter Max. one the short Halloween well they I mean oh, no. spoilers very mild spoilers 
it begins on Halloween and it ends on the next Halloween and it's called the long Halloween. This movie begins on Halloween and ends a week later. So I call this one the short Halloween. Oh, I like it. I like it. Okay. That makes sense. And it's like similar, but Um, totally different. This is now normally when I would ask Paul uh, if there's any other last thoughts he wants to share, but frankly, he's given me so such a good transition. Many last thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure there are. <laughs> but the thing is, we were just talking about how this framework we built over all these episodes really helped get us to this point of talking about this movie. Uh, and I, w- I want to acknowledge Ashley Coffin was a big part of a lot of those. I'm very sad she couldn't be with us uh, for this one. Just timing didn't work out. We're recording at what is the middle of the night for me, even more the middle of the night for her on the East Coast. But Point is, um, for those of you who've been listening to all of our Batman coverage, or if you just just tuned in for this one, would really love to hear your thoughts. Um, if you go to theethicalpanda.com, there you'll find all the different social medias, all the different ways to contact us. Let us know what you think. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the different characters. What do you? Th- is this your Batman? Do you not like it? Did you love the three hours? Do you wish there was less cinemato- cinematography and and uh, artsiness? Um, did you want more car chases? Do you want more toys? How do you feel about manscaping? Let us know. We'd love to get, hear your thoughts. You'll find all of that on theethicalpanda.com. If you go to manscaped.com, uh, and it's with the E, E-D at the end, manscaped, uh, past tense, uh, you, manscaping can become in your future tense. Uh, just use the code HEROETHICS to get 20% off. Also, Paul does all sorts of great things under the name Zen Madman. Check out his poker videos. Check out all those great things. Check out all the other podcasts I'm a part of, all the great podcasts on the Stranded Panda, on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. And most importantly, have a good day. Puzzles are a retreat from the horrors of the world. Ah, I should have ended with take care of yourself. That was That's <laughs> oh, yeah. the thing to end on. Cause, cause the first Selena, like one of the first things she says to Bruce or to Batman is I can take care of myself. And the last thing he says to her is take care of yourself. All right. Well, I think it's very deliberate. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. Take care of your balls. Take care of your friend's (laughs) balls. If, if your friends consent, take care of this podcast so that we don't have to keep going deep into these ridiculous ad reads. And most importantly, take care of everyone. And and have a nice day. A great day. Have a great day. And send us lots of feedback so we can do a feedback episode because I need to talk more about this movie. There you go. And we're out.